Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. On today's KiteLine, we're sharing more research conducted collectively by Mikol Siegel's Inside Out class. Last spring, this course brought together students at IU and students held by the Indiana Department of Corrections. This presentation is focused on the tension between surveillance and surveillance, a term for when apparatuses like social media and smartphones are turned around and used against state violence and official abuses. Here they are. Hey, this is Gilbert Bay, and uh, my group uh, is bringing to you social media and surveillance. Is your phone listening to you? Um, this segment this segment is brought to you by Gilbert Bay, Kate, Holly, Kabir, and Fish from the Inside Out Exchange Program. This segment details how surveillance and social media are interconnected. As a general public, we are willfully ignorant to surveillance capitalism by handing over our privacy in exchange for personalization and our social lives. We can become so wrapped up in the entertainment of social media that we neglect our personal privacy by revealing personal data to be surveilled on social sites by other users and by the company. This presentation also sheds light on TikTok in the prison system and why inmates legally smuggle cellular devices into prisons. If inmates were allowed phones legally, it would be a checks and balance for the admin and staff and could potentially save a life. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg describes this industry as one of the ways that America shares its values with the world and one of our greatest economic and cultural exports. Zuckerberg is right. Facebook represents a slew of American values, capitalism, surveillance, secrecy, and parasitism. Shoshana Zuboff coined the term surveillance capitalism in her book Surveillance Capitalism and the Challenge of Collective Action. According to Zuboff, Surveillance capitalism is the monetization of a user's private experience by big tech companies, and Facebook is the poster child. Facebook harvests and monetizes the personal data of billions of users and keeps an omnipresent eye on our digital lives. Facebook's profiling practices have explored how to manipulate emotions, target based on personality, and even target vulnerabilities, taking notice of when users felt hopeless or insecure. In 2017, Facebook created a 23-page document for potential advertisers, featuring the company's ability to micro-target advertisements down to moments when young people need a confidence boost. A report by The Australian revealed that Facebook had been surveilling posts, photos, interactions, and internet activity in real time to track the emotional highs and lows of teenagers. Facebook claimed that the monitoring of younger users was never used to target ads, but the research itself was commissioned by an advertiser. Facebook not only aims to predict future behavior of its users, but to change and shape their behavior. In a study conducted by academics from the University of California and Cornell, Facebook filtered the news feeds of several users. They found that a decrease in positive emotional content resulted in a decrease in positive posts and an increase in negative posts. When exposed to an increase of negative emotional content, the inverse occurred. 
Researchers Adam Kramer, Jamie Guillory, and Jeffrey Hancock came to the conclusion that emotions expressed by friends via online social networks influence our own moods, constituting, to our knowledge, the first experimental evidence for massive-scale emotional contagion via social networks. Engagement and advertising are the two primary concerns at the forefront of Facebook's agenda. With this newfound discovery that filtering content keeps users happy and engaged, who's to say that Facebook will not continue to filter feeds to keep people active? Such manipulation could be used to encourage people to stay on the site by feeding them happy content, and thus increasing advertising revenue. After all, the most accurate way for surveillance capitalists to predict user behavior is to intervene at its source and shape it, to quote from Shoshana Zuboff. While emotional manipulation and vulnerability-based targeting are undoubtedly important tactics Facebook employs to monetize user private experience, Facebook could never overlook the heart of the user themselves, their own personality. The BBC has revealed an email chain between Facebook staff and University of Cambridge psychologists discussing data analysis to infer users' personality traits and using said data to target adverts. The social network filed a patent describing how certain personality traits such as emotional stability, conscientiousness, openness, and introversion versus extroversion can be identified through users' status updates and messages. This personality data could be stored and later used to select news stories, advertisements, or recommendations of actions presented to the user. This psychographic advertising is extremely invasive and raises a plethora of ethical concerns. Behavioral manipulation holds the power to jeopardize our autonomy, to form opinions and make independent choices, which effectively undermines our dignity. To illustrate, the Ted Cruz campaign and the Trump campaign paid Cambridge Analytica to analyze the data points of Facebook users in swing states and target advertisements accordingly in 2016. After gathering 5,000 data points on each American voter, Cambridge Analytica used this data to target voters in swing states who they deemed persuadable after assessing their personalities. Whether it be through the user's political orientation, emotions, or personality, Facebook's main goal is to profile their users to the most accurate degree possible. This is Gilbert Bay again, and I wanted to speak on uh, social media in prisons, TikTok, or really phone use in the prison in general. Um, I would say it's really important for us to, to have social media in prison, like TikTok, or Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever or just the phone in general, because it gives us a way to expose the administration or the staff and their treatments and what they're doing to us in here. I would say, uh, of course, they don't want us to have phones or social media because, like I said, it can, it can hurt them. We can sue them, uh, file, they have file lawsuits, uh, they could possibly lose their jobs or anything like that due to the, how they treat us. Uh, because social media, like, they can get so used to talking crazy to us and they know they can't get in trouble for it. But if we had a phone in our hand to record them, how we can record the police on the streets, I guarantee they wouldn't talk to us how they talk to us. They wouldn't treat us how they treat us or anything like that. Uh, I know, example, when I was at CIC, well, CIC is another uh, level two, three facility. And uh, when I was there during the pandemic, uh, I was in a cell with a bunkie and um, there's no toilet in the room. So, but during this COVID lockdown, we had to be in our rooms locked down. So every two hours, they're supposed to let us out and uh, let us use the restroom, but they weren't doing that. 
we was in the room for three, four hours at a time, not using the restroom. So I can't just hop on the phone because I'm locked in the room. So I can't just hop on the phone and just call my people like, hey, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is what's going on. They're treating us poorly. They're not doing X, Y, and Z. But, um, you know what I mean? So it's hard for us to, to do stuff like that when we're locked in a room. But if I had a cell phone, I'd be able to call the streets, like my mom or my grandma or something like, hey, you know, they're treating us poorly in here. Hey, can you call up here? But I wasn't able to do that. So if we had social media, you know what I mean, or TikTok or whatever, you know, uh, it could help us out. And also these phone calls and, you know, um, video visits and stuff like that, it costs. A phone call is for 20 minutes, three, three dollars, three dollars some change that adds up. You know what I mean? That's 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 cost effective, especially you don't know what's going on out there with our people. You know, the, the inflation's here or any other uh, financial situation. So sending messages even costs money. It's 27 cents a message and add a photo. It's like another 60 cents altogether. So all that adds up. You know what I mean? So I feel like it'd be important for us to have cell phones in here. So. We can better communicate with our people, better, better check the staff, because if we let the staff just do what they want to do and treat us how they want to treat us, they'll get away with murder, literally and figuratively. No, for real. They can get away with murder. You know what I mean? So we need some sort of checks and balances for them as well, because they always look at us as if we're like this is bad people. We're always doing something wrong. But it's like, no. Maybe you instigated the situation. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you did this and this is why I acted like this. But now I'm in trouble because of, oh, they pointed me out on the conic report and uh, explained this incident, but they didn't fully explain the incident, how it really happened. But if I had a phone or a TikTok or whatever, I can really expose like, hey, no, you really did this. You know what I mean? Technologies that are used as surveillance can end up being surveillance for people who are most vulnerable. Do you worry that having more social media on the inside would mean more surveillance? Um, yes, it would definitely be more surveillance because anything with a camera and a lens, you know what I mean, is surveillance. But at the same time, like I said, it's checks and balance. It, it can hurt us as well. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I feel like the pros would outweigh the cons. You know what I mean? It's always going to be a con to a situation, but it's for the greater good, I feel like, for our safety as well. And for the admins and staff safety, too. You know what I mean? So, uh, grievances. I don't know. Um, I don't think we spoke on grievances, but grievances is a form where, like, if any issue happened in the facility, um, you would, you would get a grievance form and explain the situation. You know what I mean? Like you're detailing what happened, what the issue was, who the issue was with, where it happened, when it happened, so forth and so forth. And then once you put the grievance in, it'll go to a grievance officer. Then once the grievance officer receives it, he'll read it. You know what I mean? Then he'll look for policy and procedure to see if you actually put the grievance in correctly on this day and time. Did you get it in and stuff like that? And so. When it goes to this grievance officer, it's up to him to 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 say if the situation is grievable. It could be a very situ uh, a very serious situation that's grievable and that you need help with, and the grievance officer can send the grievance back and say, "Oh well, you didn't technically put this grievance in time, so I'm not going to respond to your grievance." 
or you don't have the person's, the CO's, the correctional officer's name right in the grievance. So I can't find who technically hurt you or harmed you. You know what I mean? It's very petty, but you know, it's an issue, but you're still going to ignore the issue and say, oh, by technically, by policy, you didn't put this in right. So we're going to ignore your issue. That's not fair. But if we had cellular devices, TikTok, whatever, you know what I mean? We can bypass that. We can go straight to their heads, their bosses, their wardens or downstate and be like, hey, this is what's going on. Here's a video. Here's a picture of what's going on. And then so there's this irrefutable evidence as to, you know what I mean? The problem at hand. Like, I'm not going to say what prison I was at, but um, it was during the summertime and uh, they was locking us in the cells. You know what I mean? And at so many degrees, they're not supposed to close the cell doors, but they were doing it anyway. But they got away with it for about two or three days. But once all of us, you know, all the inmates, we riled up, you know what I mean? And it was like, no, we're not going, we're not locking back down. They finally didn't close the doors anymore. Everybody put in grievances. At least, I would say at least out of, let's say 80 people in the dorm, it's maybe like 40, 50 people that put in grievances that day. And not a single grievance was responded to. That's a problem. So if we got issues and stuff like that's happening in the facility and we're supposed to pipe per, per policy, go to the grievance officer and put these things in. And when we do do this and they're not being responded to, what are we supposed to do? How are we to respond and react? And in that same situation with the doors being locked and it was a hot summer day, it was humid outside. So it was water all over the floor, all on the walls, all over the floor, out in the day room is water everywhere. How can we live in those conditions? Like I'm literally sitting in bed, sweating, you know, wet, wet as heck. Then I step onto my floor and it's wet on the ground. I'm not supposed to live in deplorable conditions like that. You know what I'm saying? But if I had a phone, social media, I can expose that. I'll be able to say, hey, this is the issue. This is what's going on. You know what I mean? Fix it. But, you know, we're in prison, so we can't have phones. TikTok has had a stark rise in popularity since its initial release in 2016. The social media app focuses on short-form content, and combined with its unique algorithm, it now has over 780 million daily active users. TikTok says the recommended videos put forth by its algorithm are based on a number of factors, and they record things like user interactions, such as the videos you like or share, accounts you follow, comments you post, and content you create. Video information, which might include details like captions, sounds, and hashtags, and device and account settings like your language preference, country setting, and device type. The specificity in TikTok's algorithm gives way to several communities formed through the app and the specific community we are exploring today, what people have deemed Prison TikTok. Prison TikTok has found its niche with the majority of videos focusing on the day-to-day -day life of people who are incarcerated. A significant portion of the content that is created is purely entertainment, ranging from ranging from popular dances, singing along to the current hits, and even cooking tutorials for pizza, cheesecake, and more using the limited resources available in commissaries. While a portion of prison TikTok is whimsical, people are also utilizing the app to engage in the active surveillance of the prison industrial complex. With concealed cellular devices, people in the prison system are able to avoid the normalized surveillance they encounter with phone calls. When people in prisons make traditional phone calls and video chats, they are forced to pay the same system that keeps them confined to keep in touch with their loved ones and communities. These communications are then surveilled by the prison system under the guise of protection. 
Correctional officers can also blatantly deny people this right for any subjective reason. By attempting to end illegal cell phone use, prisons are continuing to force the people to communicate in a manner that profits the prison monetarily. Several public and private entities have detailed poor reasoning for why prisoners should be denied the access to personal cellular devices, including the Federal Communications Commission, which claims contraband cell phones have been used by inmates to arrange the murder of witnesses and public safety officers, traffic in drugs, and manage criminal enterprises. This illegal practice jeopardizes the safety of America's communities and public safety officials. The FCC has made it a top priority to put an end to illegal cell phone use by inmates in prison. This verbiage purposely correlates the use of contraband cell phones to murder, harm, and drugs. Despite the FCC's claims, people in prison don't use concealed cell phones to enact harm, but rather to connect with their communities. A number of people post on TikTok to reveal the conditions they are forced to endure daily as a form of resistance. In Columbia, South Carolina, videos were posted from inside the Richland County Jail showing backed-up toilets, undercooked meals, malfunctioning sinks, and water covering the floors. When the county was met with this, they acknowledged concerns, but rebutted the claim, saying several of the videos were recorded in an unauthorized and unoccupied area that were currently closed for renovation, and that the release of the videos also indicates that there are flaws in the security system. Using TikTok, the people inside the prison were able to create videos exposing the unlivable conditions they were enduring and effected a notable change in their treatment. Further, they engaged in resistance against the system by bringing to light the harm they were facing because of the Richland County Jail and making the jail answer to the media and the public. Similar events like the one in South Carolina are happening across the country. In Florida, Kaiko Cop found a way to post content on TikTok without the use of concealed cell phone. Cop recorded videos traditionally used by people communicating with their families and sent them to her mother who posted them on TikTok for her. Under the username at K underscore live news, COP amassed nearly 200,000 followers on the app and 3.5 million likes through this method of posting. COP was acting as a journalist as she communicated the conditions of prison to her followers. She detailed the conditions the COVID-19 pandemic had on the facility she was staying at, saying, We have no way to social distance. We have no access to medicine, so please just keep us in your prayers. COP's post came to an end in early 2022 when she transferred from Lowell Correctional Institution to Gadsden Correctional Facility, but she was able to use TikTok as an active form of resistance against the system. In addition to opening channels of communications, people who are incarcerated are able to attach their Cash App, PayPal, or GoFundMe pages and accounts to their channels and get additional financial support. TikTok has been a cultural shift for the United States as it allows information to rapidly disseminate in a way prior social media applications were unable to. People in prisons have and continue to utilize the app to do more than entertain, but to resist and create change. Because of the nature of the app, TikTok lends itself to being used as a unique form of surveillance against the prison industry. Uh, social media and prison reform, uh, how can you retain it? Well, in regards to TikTok or other social media in prison, I believe it would be monumental in forcing prison reform. These platforms would shine light on the darkness in these prison walls. I feel like real change can start from within, and sometimes the rules must be broken to obtain order. In the American prison systems, we can endure deplorable living conditions, unfair and unlawful treatment from staff, lazy and non-communicative administration, inadequate medical assistance, and disciplinary hearing boards that are snatching lives away with biases and due process errors. This is all the more reason to fight for change. The 13th Amendment states, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. 
shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Basically, if you violate a law, you will be in prison and forced back into slavery. Just think about that. We know that with slavery comes either physical, psychological, and emotional trauma, regardless if it's deemed legal. How we now in history speak about the atrocities of the past enslavement, we need to expose and talk about the atrocities of this modern day slavery. So from 100 to 300 years from now in the history books, civilization isn't studying about today's cruel enslavement. Like, why keep talking about the past? We need to talk about the present issues at hand to create a better future for millions of lives. If TikTok is the platform that can help expose these government-ran institutions, then incarcerated individuals need to figure out a way to document and record the the injustices endured. Sometimes the rules must be broken to obtain order. Let's take social media out of the equation and ask ourselves, how do we get real prison reform? It's simple. It's fought through politics and legislature. We must go to our local leaders and politicians who hold office or are running for office to lobby and voice prison reform because these local politicians are the ones who go to the Senate or Congress to introduce bills and raise issues. This is where real changes and reform is made. Enough social unrest will cause new laws and bills to be introduced to better protect incarcerated individuals. That's successful prison reform. I strive to uplift humanity and I challenge others to uplift by letting our voices be heard in these state houses so real changes can be made. The COs, the correctional officers, like they have computers and stuff they can get on while they're at work and stuff like that behind the uh, behind the desk. And they can only get on certain sites. They can still stream the Internet, but like they only can search certain things. They just can't go to Facebook and just search their Facebook. They can go to YouTube and watch YouTube videos and listen to music videos and watch movies. But, you know, even on YouTube, they got certain words like you said, guns and explosives. They can't just search it on YouTube. It won't pop up. Yes, yeah, so if they're already restricting the software programming for the correctional officers who work here and are supposed to supervise us, of course they would do the same thing for us. Hmm. A person's right to privacy is going to be why they're never going to enable the camera because otherwise I could violate your privacy and take photos of you when you weren't given the consent to do that. And then, of course, with the bathroom situation and everything else going on, that's why there's no cameras even in the bathroom in the cell houses. They have to stop the camera in the entryway. So once you go around that corner and you're doing your private business, they're not allowed to record you. If somebody gives you a cell phone that has an active camera, now you can just do whatever and be putting it on right. Pornhub, whatever. So that would be a invasion of privacy. <laughs> nah, you're right. But see, like, me personally, this, like, this is my own personal opinion. Like, of course, anything in the hands of a person can be used for any, you know what I'm saying, any reason. You know what I mean? So, like, in the right hand, it can be used for good. In the wrong hand, it can be used for bad. You know what I'm saying? But in my hands, I know I want to record these injustices and use it the right way to get prison reform. That's just me. The commissioner of the state of Indiana, Department of Corrections, is only looking at it from a liability aspect. So that one person that uses it inappropriately is what he's concerned with, not the 99% that might use it in a proactive way. There was a, you're right, there was this, at one point in time in the prison systems, when they first introduced these tablets to us, uh, people were like jailbreaking them and like using them for other, uh, I don't know if people know what jailbreaking is, but to like modify it to do other things that they're not supposed to do. And uh, I mean, the same thing with the cellular devices. Even if they did add these restrictions to uh, these cell phones that they wasn't given to us, I guarantee it, there'll be a way to jailbreak it and do all these other things that we're not, quote unquote, supposed to do. 
iPhone is the most secure phone on the market and people have been jailbreaking them for 10 years. So any technology that is made can be beaten. Mercedes has a, a wireless system to start the car and people figured out a way to hook up their laptop and an ignition port and start those. So anything that's developed, there's gonna be a counter to it. But in the Department of Corrections, they're gonna to try to give us the most secure device possible for safety and security. Not of our safety and security, but of civilization out there and the people who have been wrong. But, but also, who else is safety and security? Theirs. And I say that because they know that they do injustice. They know that they make mistakes. They know that they're wrong at times. They're afraid for us to have these phones in our hands and be able to record them. When show these things that they're doing to hear they're wrong. When Rodney King got beat up, do you think that he was the first guy to get beat up by the police with Billy Spitz? Of course, no. He was just one of the first guys to get recorded, and that's why there was such an uproar about it. This stuff had been happening before. Now that everybody has a portable device in their pocket with a camera, it's coming to light, and the police are finally being held responsible. But we don't have that in here. And I'm saying we need that in here so we can, so if someone has to get Rodney King in here and someone has a phone, and it takes for somebody to be that next Rodney King in prison, Oh, y'all don't be that guy that's sitting there recording that, like, oh, yep, we got us a Rodney King. Yes, sir, we got this one. And I'll explode. That's just me. And they're aware of that, and they're not going to give us exactly. that potential. Exactly. But at the same time, I feel like these things are needed to have a checks and balance, though. Because in these businesses, you know as I know, you're a cooperative individual. They get away with so many things, you know what I'm saying, because we're locked up. You know what I mean? There's got to be some sort of exposure, some sort of avenue to, to expose these things so we can make changes. That's all I'm saying. One of our uh, co-classmates was just pointed out the Richard Speck tapes, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with Richard Speck. He was over in Illinois prison with John Wayne Gacy and they had cameras and they were doing weirdo sex tapes and stuff and leaking it to the media. And then it was showing, wow, what have they got going on over here in uh, what's that, Joliet prison. They were in Joliet, which was supposed to be like the maximum security prison that time. And they had like a little sex dungeon down there. The police were too afraid to go down there. And here's tapes, hours and hours that they're sending out to their family and sending the media. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, like I said, the wrong hands. I mean, the court is always going to be used for nefarious purposes. But go ahead. Well, when you guys first started talking about having cell phones in prison, I kind of thought it was way out there, and I, I, I was like, ah, oh, it's never going to happen. But listening to you now, listening to you talk about the iPads and the you know the other the video calls and stuff, now I'm really leading in the absolute opposite direction. That it seems like inevitable to me that well, it's going to come. It, states have already done it. There's three or four states already. I think Montana was the first one. Connecticut was one. So they've already done it. They've enacted the technology just like our phone. If you say certain hot words, it'll end the phone call. Really? They're recording. Absolutely. Wow. I had a ton of them hanging up talking about no third party calls, mm -hmm. and we weren't even third-party calling, so there was glitches in their own operating system that'll hang up the phone on you, that'll put you under investigation. Um, yeah. So all of this stuff already exists, it's simply fine-tuning it. So the artificial intelligence on it, uh, when you do say a hot word, it'll kick it over immediately to internal affairs to where they can further listen to it. And then of course they have the ability to go back two years on every phone call you've ever made. And of course now they can crack your system if you were using a code or doing something nefarious. Today we have taken you through the topic of surveillance and social media. 
We have done this through a case study on Facebook and its specific uses of surveillance, the harnessing of TikTok for means of surveillance and accountability within prisons, and you have gotten an inside perspective on how phones could benefit incarcerated individuals and what a world would look like with phones in prisons. We hope that from this segment you have taken away that by using social media and cellular devices, we are actively participating in the systems of surveillance that pervade this nation, whether that be through sacrificing privacy for personalization and social media or performing acts of surveillance through social media. We hope that next time you pull your phone out of your pocket, you think twice about what it might be listening to, and also think about the systems you might be involving yourself in through your use of media. Thanks to Dr. Siegel and her students for all their hard work on the show. This has been KiteLine. Email us at kiteline at wfhb.org or send us a letter at kiteline care of WFHB, 108 West 4th Street, Bloomington, Indiana, 47404. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Thank you for listening.